0: Good morning, everyone. Thanks, guys, for leading us. Um, I'm, my name is Jeep Underwood, and I'm going to be uh, complete or uh, continuing the series that started last week called Authority Matters. Uh, last week, uh, Pastor Alex, he uh, he walked us through, like, why uh, really work with the origination of authority, how God is the one who establishes that. In fact, let's take a look at Romans 13.1. Uh, what it basically says, and this is what he walked us through last week, was every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those which exist are established by God. What that means is that the people that you're following, the authority that they have over you was given to them by God. And also what that means is that when God gives you an arena of authority... He gave that to you, and he, and he and really is a task, and it's an arena that He wants you to accomplish things in. Uh, this, this topic that we're talking about today of how we respond to authority is really a very key, key uh, topic for our lives, and really the way we handle authority in our lives has a huge bearing on how our lives really turn out. And we're going to be talking about, uh, next week we're going to be looking at when you're under the authority of someone else, how do you follow well? And then we're going to be looking at, and today we're going to be looking at, when God has given you an arena of authority, how do you handle that? And the, the short answer is leadership, is that you really take care of that. Now, the thing about leading is when you're leading, you're never not under the authority of someone else. You know, uh, there's, always, we're, there's always someone that we're following, even when we've given an area of leadership. And what we need to do is we have to, what we have to do is we have to give an account for the things that we've been, the the arena of authority that we've been given. Um, so no matter, really the, the mark of a leader is someone who really does follow well. Someone who actually takes the assignment they've been given and then they lead a team to make that happen. Now 12 years ago, I was a project engineer. I worked for the Army Corps of Engineers and we do flood control work and uh, we, I was a project engineer, and what that means is I lead a technical I led a technical team to develop plans and specifications to build projects. And I remember looking at my boss; he was the section chief. I remember looking at my boss and thinking, "What is it that he does, really? I mean, I, I, do, I just I thought I know it's important, but I just couldn't figure it out. You know, he was on his computer a lot, and he would come tell me to do things once in a while. But I just thought, "What does he do with his day? You know, what what's his role? What's what is he actually doing? I wasn't it wasn't a negative thing. I just just well, two years later, I got his job, and all the curiosity ceased. <laughs> and uh, it became very clear to me what he was doing with his time. Because when I took over his job, there was a mantle of responsibility that came down on my shoulders. And I didn't have to have anybody explain to me the importance of what it is that I was called to do. Um, really, what with, when the federal government... Um, we're given money every year, and you have to expend that money by September 30th. That's the end of our fiscal year. So that is like, that date is in our minds all the time. September 30th, you've got to get stuff done. And I remember my new boss, which was uh, after I took over as the section chief and was leading the the section, my new boss called me into his office one day of, uh, several years ago, about a year after this, and he said, Underwood, did you have a good trip? Because I just got back from vacation. And I said, yeah, I did. I said, we went to Boston. My wife and I had a great time. And he goes, well, I'm glad to hear it. He said, "Uh, because there's no more trips for you until these five projects are awarded by September 30th. Okay. Fairly clear. He was a former Marine, so he just kind of put it on the bottom shelf. And so I walked out of there. And you know what? We led our teams. I led leaders of teams. And we made that happen. The next year, it was seven. Seven projects. I'm like, thank you. I'm glad we're up in the ante. So then we got those seven done. The next year it was six. We, we ratcheted back a little bit. And we, and we, we kept hitting the mark. It was very, very difficult. And I'm kind of glossing over it. It's very, very difficult. But the guys that I led and the guys that they led made it happen. And we had accountability over us. We had to make, you know, give an account. Now, four years ago, I had just uh, changed jobs. I became a project manager where I oversaw the work of project managers as well as lead my own projects. And we had this project called the Phase 2A project. It's a flood control project on the Santa Ana River, not uh, just by where the 71 and the 91 come together. And about a $25 million project. And the design was done. All the environmental compliance was done. And... uh, The only thing that was left is we needed some real estate. We needed three parts of the real estate because you can't build things if you don't own the property they're on. They frown on that in this country. So um, we had to get this real estate And the real estate. The kicker was it was owned by the state of California and several different agencies. And if you've ever tried to go to an agency, if you ever had one agency go to another agency and try to make things happen, it's a very interesting experience. And it was very We're coming down to the line. And actually, we have a project partner on this. Uh, It's Riverside County Flood Control. And it's their responsibility to provide all the real estate. So they were dealing with the state. And they're trying to get this real estate. And man, they valiantly worked hard. They tried to do it. And we came up right to the last day that we could get this done in 2010, September 18th, if I remember right. And they gave us a call and said, we can't do it. Everything they tried didn't work. Now, that sounds like a sad story, but it's actually worse than that. Because a $25 million project, when you don't do that, all your metrics go bad. And so the LA district, the Los Angeles district went red. Well, it was such a big amount that our whole region, the Western United States went red of the Corps of Engineers. And that got the attention of the three-star general in Washington, DC. And so the three-star general called the one-star general in San Francisco and said, what happened? And then the one-star general called my Colonel and said, what happened? And then the colonel called my boss's boss and said, what happened? And then they came to me and my leadership team, and they said, what happened? And then I turned around, and there wasn't anybody to talk to because (laughs) we were the ones that were supposed to do it. And so we had to give an account. And so I wrote a three-page paper uh, and chronicled a timeline of where we were and how it happened, and that went right back up the chain of command. And actually there were some changes made and the way the Corps of Engineers handles real estate because of the, what we learned from that failure. That was not the funnest part of my career. Um, but, and, I'm, and actually, I want to tell you, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that project towards the end uh, of the talk today. But right now, I want to switch gears just a little bit and, and talk more generally. And that's, you know, when God gives us authority, it's to accomplish something meaningful. It's something that God wants done. And so if you've been given an arena of authority, it's something that God wants done. And it's also, it's almost always more than you can handle by yourself. It's almost always something more than you can handle by yourself. What I want to do right now, we're going to watch a clip from uh, Lord of the Rings. Uh, This, if you're not familiar with that, I I think most people are, but there's a ring that has to be destroyed, otherwise the world will end. You talk about accountability. Um, The world will end if you don't do this. And Frodo, this scene is from the first film, and Frodo is standing on the shore, and he's wishing that it, he didn't have to deal with this. And he's wishing this ever came to him. And I just want you to watch this clip, and then we'll talk a little bit more afterwards. the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had happened. So do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All you have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to you. Them. I'm going to Mordor alone. Of course you are. Then I'm coming with you. I don't know about you, but I watched that clip and I want to go watch the movie now. <laughs> that is uh that's just a great that's just a great movie. Now one thing you see one, one thing you see, you watch, watch Frodo's face. He doesn't want this to be his responsibility, but it was given to him. And his advice from his friend, Gandalf, is it only matters what you do with the time you've been given. And what you see in Frodo's face is there's a moment when he takes ownership of the task that's been given to him. And then he closes his hand and he shoulders the responsibility and he puts the ring in his pocket and he gets in the boat. Now... Then you watch Sam. Sam comes out there, you know, uh, Frodo tells him, no, I've got to do this by myself. And, Frodo, and uh, Sam says, I know you do, and I'm going to do it with you. And you just got to like the heart of Sam. And, you know, there, there's a truth that's shown in the scene, and this truth is this. When you take ownership and lead courageously, people follow. When you take ownership of the task that's before you, and you courageously lead people follow, and the question that we're, uh, that we 're kind of looking at today in this talk is how do you how do you get off the shore where you 're looking at the sea of your responsibility and courageously lead? How do you get off the shore and do that we 're going to be looking this morning at some at the scriptures and looking at some examples from some for some guys that gives us some input on this and some help on this. Um, You know, although he struggled initially, Moses is really a guy who took ownership of the task that he had and he really led courageously. And he he freed a nation from bondage. I mean, it's pretty cool. But then at the end of Moses' life, Moses was uh, really concerned that there would be someone that would take over for him that would lead these people and would care about them the way he did. And so he asked God this. Look at Numbers 27, 15 through 20. It says, Moses spoke to the Lord saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. And then God, then the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Make him stand before Eliezer the priest and all of the congregation, and you shall commission him in their sight. You shall invest him with some of your authority that all the congregation of the people of Israel may obey. Now, if you look through Joshua's life, what you see is that there's, there's this chain of varying assignments that he'd been given over time. Joshua, Moses had used him at several different places and, place and times, And he gave him authority and gave him assignments and Joshua came through with it. And then what God did is then he decided he's going to make him the leader of the people, but he he gave him some of Moses' authority so that he could carry that for a while and learn how to handle the authority and that the people would begin to see him as someone they would follow. And then there was a time in the future when Moses passed away that Joshua became the leader of the nation. And what you see is that, you know, when we cooperate with God, when we cooperate with Him, God builds both our character and our competence over time so that we can handle more complicated and difficult assignments and we can handle more things. Uh, when you, it really, you know, b- building your character, the person you are under pressure, building your competence, you come against problems and you learn how to face them and you learn how to get things done so then God can give you more hard, more uh, difficult things to do in the future. Now, when you have a solid belief that God has personally given us our task and is developing us personally, it encourages us and it really helps us to take ownership and to lead courageously. And that's that's one thing that really helps. Now, I also, as I said, Moses was a guy who really took ownership. But, you know, Moses made, us a, mis- he made a mistake. One of the mistakes he made was very common after they had moved out of Israel. They were in the wilderness. Um... He tried to handle everything by himself. He tried to do it all by himself like Frodo wanted to do. And his father-in-law came to visit him, and his father-in-law watched him. And he, was, and he watched, you know, Moses got up in the morning, and until the time he went to bed, people, all the people, hundreds of thousands of people in the nation would come to him with all their problems and all their disputes, and he would settle them, and he would figure out what to do. And this is, uh, if you look at uh, Exodus 18, 17, 18, you see what his father-in-law told him. Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you're doing is not good. Now, there's something you love to hear from your father-in-law. But he says, the thing that you're doing is not good. You will surely wear out. Both yourself and these people are with you, for the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. Now, that's a very common error. In fact, you know, about 22 years ago, give is giving illustration, I was uh, I just moved to Los Angeles when I, I would get my job with the Corps of Engineers, and I really I started volunteering for the Habitat for Humanity. Now I I grew up in construction. My dad's a contractor, and so I, I've learned I've helped build houses. We built commercial buildings, done large scale earthwork, just you name it. It's just something I would I grew up doing, and I really wanted to do something that would help people. So I Joined Habitat for Humanity. As soon as they found out my background, they started putting me in charge of all kinds of stuff. Uh, some of it way beyond my ability. But uh, this, I remember the first time, I got to be a part of a blitz build where they build 20 houses in five days and Jimmy Carter was there. It was pretty cool. But that was after I'd been around for a while. The very first house I was on, they were going to build this house in five days. Now, I knew houses took three or four months to build. And so I walked on the site and I was stressed. I was thinking, how in the world is this going to happen? And then they said, "Okay, we're making you a team leader of a framing group. we're going to build a, a walls today, and here's the folks that are you're gonna to have to you're going to be leading today and I looked over and I looked at these folks, very good hearted people, and you know a couple of them had their hammers held backwards, their nail aprons were turned around backwards you know uh but their heart was all there, and my heart sunk because I thought we got five days, and so I remember just, okay, so you know I strapped on my nail bags and uh I kind of told them some stuff, and we we're, were getting the materials over there. And I just started; I was doing everything myself. I would just say, "Hold this." And I go over there, and I, I was just everywhere. I was everywhere, everywhere. And after two hours, they had a break. And I and I and I remember walking off, and I was just drenched with sweat, and I was exhausted. And a guy, one of the guys that was on my team, walked over to me, and he goes, "Hey, uh, I talked to you." I said, "Yeah." He goes, "You know, we can do a lot more." than what you're asking us to do. <laughs> and I was thinking, you're right, you're right. And so, after the break, I took a 20-minute, we did like a 20-minute training session. All right, guys, this is a stud. This, These are top plates and bottom plates. We pull them up this way, keep them even, we pull them out. The layout, there's a line and an X. The line is where the stud goes. The X is the side of the line that goes on. These are 16-penny nails. What you want to do is you want to put two 16-penny nails in the end. Make sure that the stud and the plate are even with each other. And we just went through several things for about 20 minutes. And I said, okay, now, I want you two to carry studs. You guys carry studs and keep us supplied. You guys, I want you two to get the plates lined up so that they're correct. And then I want you guys, you guys are going to pound nails. So two nails and every stud. And here, let me show you how that's done. And I went down and I did one and said, that's how you do it. And things begin to change around. Now, there, I'll tell you what, there were a lot of bent nails that day. And there were a lot of very slowly driven nails that day. But four days later, I was leading the team putting the roof on that house. And five days later, it was done. You, One thing you have to do if you're going to lead is you have to coordinate the efforts of other people. And you have to train them and help them to see what it is they need to do. And that's what Moses' father-in-law's advice was. He told them, what you need to do is you train people in God's law and His ways, and uh, you need to coordinate the efforts of others. You need to pick people. There'll be over a thousand. These people will be over 50. These people over 100. These people over 10. And they'll handle the disputes, and then anything that's really big will come to you. And uh, you know what? Most people really want to be a part of something significant. They really want to be a part. And by setting the direction and coordinating their efforts, one thing you're really doing is you're really serving them by giving them all that opportunity. And you're really serving the people above you who have given you the job to do. Uh, there really is uh, no other way to get the, get the things done. Now, as you coordinate the efforts of your team, there's some priorities that you need to keep in line. As you As you begin to engage with a team of people, there's some priorities you need to keep in line. And we're going to look at a passage uh, in 1 Peter, where Peter gives some advice to the leaders of the church. Um, 1 Peter 5, 2-4, he says, Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Now, that's the accountability. When you have a team that's working together and your priorities are straight, you accomplish the job. And then at the end, when the accountability time comes, you really receive honor because you hit the marks and the team succeeded. And that's really what i want going to go for. Now, the, the first priority, the first priority you want to have as number one, and that is that the mission is first. You've, the job that you have to get done is the first thing to do, is the first. Because it really is something that God wants done. And when he says in 1 Peter, he wants us to take ownership of that responsibility as leaders. Um, he says, not because you're forced to, but voluntarily. And not just because of money that you could get, but with eagerness. Now, the, the, that word eagerness, really, it's kind of a... Uh, it's a cheerful readiness. It's like you want to do it. You want to be a part of this, this thing that God is having you to do, and you really want it to succeed. The second priority, the second priority that you want is you really want to take care of your followers. You want to, meet, you want to take care of them. That, the word he says, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight. That word oversight in the original languages uh, means to look upon, to look after, or to care for. And so you really to care for and help the people that are on your teams. Now, you really pay attention to they need, what their needs are. Do they need tools? Do they need What is it that they need? Do they need some know-how? Do they need training? Uh, you know, if there, one, one thing is if you're struggling, if you've got folks that are struggling, you need to care enough to find out why and not just blast them with get it done. You want to care enough to find out why. There's a great verse, this isn't on the slides, but Paul uh, said in 1 Thessalonians 5.14, he says, And we urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Now, it could be, maybe there's someone on your team, they're not not performing, maybe they're being really rebellious, and they're just saying, I ain't going to do it. Well, then you need to admonish that person, and you need to correct that person. There might be someone on your team; they just feel like they can't do it. They're faint-hearted. They're like, "I've got too many things going on, and I just can't do it." Well, you need to encourage them that they can do it. And then you got there might be someone on your team. They're like, "I don't even know what to do, and I don't even know how to get started." Well, maybe what you need to do with them is you need to help them. Help them see how do you get started. Um, Now, if someone you want to be if you're not careful, if you don't care enough to find out what's really going on, you could come to a really rebellious person and encourage them. And that will really ruin your day. Because if you encourage a rebellious person, you've got a real problem on your head. Or it could be you go up to someone who's faint-hearted and you admonish them. And you crush them. Or you could, if you went up to someone who just didn't know what to do and you encouraged them, they go, but I, you know, you can do it. But I don't know what to do. You know, you just you just nothing happens, and you just you kind of freak people out. Um, so you that's one thing you want to you want to really care enough to know what's really going on and really help them. Now the third priority that you want to keep in this is number three, and that is you want to uh, take care of your own welfare. One thing he says in here is you want to prove to be an example to the flock. Um, people really need to see that you personally are putting the mission first, that you really do care about them, and that you really are developing yourself. You really are... You, if there's something to be learned, you're learning it. You're the first person to make a sacrifice. And if there's some a task that you have to learn things for, you're the guy learning it. They need to see that you're personally developing yourself as well. And that sets the pace for how they approach their responsibilities. You really need to be a pace setter. And uh, those... Those priorities need to stay in that order: the mission, the welfare of your people, and your own welfare. If you get those out of order, like let's, that's what he says. He says, not lording it over those allotted to your charge. What that is is that's when you take yourself and put you at the top, and everything else is below it. And you, you're like a, you're like a king in his castle. I'm in charge. You know, there's a new sheriff in town, and you're just telling people what to do, and uh, with no thought to them. You're just trying to look good for yourself. That's just that's, that's not going to work. And uh, I've actually seen that uh, in my office. I've seen guys do that. And I've seen their responsibility end after about two weeks. Because they had a mutiny on their hands. You don't want to do that. Now, if you take the welfare of your followers and put it at the top, that can get real mushy. And everybody's affirming everyone, but nothing's getting done. Well, pretty soon the generals start calling. <laughs> And so you've got to get something done. So you have to keep those in order and in line. Now, the most amazing thing for me, the most amazing thing for me is that when God gives you an arena of responsibility, He works together with you to accomplish it. When God gives you an arena of responsibility, He works together with you to accomplish it. You know, the time came for Joshua... When he was standing on the shore of the sea of his responsibility, and the responsibility was to lead the nation of israel and I'm sure that that was a very daunting idea. You are now going to be the leader of our country. he's standing on the shore, and I want to just look at what what God said to him, and that's in first uh, it's in uh Joshua one nine so let's Uh, Joshua one nine says um, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous Do not tremble or be dismayed For the Lord your God is with you Wherever you go This is something God told him right at that moment When he was taking over Now if I were to put this in my own words Like uh, kind of a Just put together a paraphrase I really think that what God was telling Joshua Was something like this Didn't I tell you to do this? So get a grip, don't freak out, and let's go do this together. And I don't know about you, but that encourages me to no end. To know that God doesn't just give me responsibility, but He goes with me to accomplish it. What I want to end with, what I want to end the talk with this morning, is I want to go back to that Phase 2A project, the colossal failure. You know, uh, after the failure, uh, it actually turns out that I think God was very gracious to us as an organization because we found out that there was a problem with the design. There was a portion of the design that had to be completely rethought through and redesigned. And because of that, the environmental compliance came unraveled. So then we had to go back through the environmental compliance. And if anybody works in construction, you just started sweating because that's a scary thing I just said. And so we worked, we coordinated our leadership team and myself. We led and we coordinated the efforts of the design team and the environmental team. And we, and we, got, and we got these things lined up for the next year, you know, for the next September 30th deadline, uh, this $25 million project. Now, on the real estate side, you're thinking, well, surely they already got the real estate. Well, no. Uh, when you're dealing with member agencies to agency, It turned out that what we had to do is we had to do a condemnation on those three parcels. Uh, We weren't opposed in the condemnation. It just the red tape and trying to get all that to happen. We just couldn't do it. And we got every party to agree to this and we had to condemn. So then the team and I, we had to become students of the condemnation process. And our project hopes were put into the court system. Now, if that doesn't get you to pray, I don't know what will. And so, but then here it is. We're coming in. It's August. It looks like if the court is favorable, they're going to give us orders of possession on September 13th. Okay. I had people in headquarters uh, in our San Francisco office saying, this ain't going to work. You guys just need to go ahead and just give up. Well, thank you for that encouragement. I appreciate that. So when we got lined up the 13th, and then in the middle of August, uh, a little shot across the bow happened. We fe- There were three utilities that needed to be abandoned. And our legal department told us in August that we had to have a letter, uh, we had to have a commitment, a written commitment from the city of Corona that they would abandon those utilities. And so we called our project partner, Riverside County, and we told them we need to abandon these three utilities. We had to have a written commitment. When we told them that, they, uh, they did they 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 felt like that was the worst thing they heard that year, and they said, "We you know what, trying to get a county to deal with the city is very difficult. This is a showstopper. this kills everything unless it's going to take us months to get this agreement from the city of Corona. well, you know what right when when this was all going down, and they wrote me a letter uh, they well they wrote the the organization a letter, and they they basically Told us how impossible it was and that this couldn't be done, but they would keep trying. But it isn't going to happen. And they sent me an electronic version of that letter, and then they put that letter in the mail and mailed it to me. Well, I don't, I'll tell you, I was on the shore that day. I was on the shore, and I was thinking, why did the ring come to me? <laughs> you know, it's just—it's like you know—I just thought, you know what? I wrote that three-page letter this last time. I don't know that. It, I can explain this one. You know, uh, and I was in the winter of my discontent. And standing on the shore, and then the, the the truths of what I've been sharing this morning were going through my mind, and I thought, you know what? We're going to go down swinging our swords. If we go down, it will be with everything we got. And so I, I told them, well, I'll tell you what I want you to do. We set up a, I told the Riverside County, set up a meeting with the city of Corona next week, and we're just going to lay our cards on the table and we're going to find out what they say. And uh, we'll, we'll see where we go from there. So the following Monday, I got up in the morning. It was the day we're going to meet in City Corona. And I remember praying, God, would you give me favor in their eyes? And God, um, you said in Proverbs that the heart of the king is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord. And you turn it wherever you wish. I just pray that you give us a favor with them and that they would decide to do this very quickly. And so we could, so many people have worked so hard to make this happen. Could you just make that happen so we could do it? So we go into the afternoon meetings at 1 o'clock. And I basically explain to them, you know, I'm a project manager, so it's kind of like a scar salesman. So I'm, you know, this project is, uh, it's a $2.4 billion project we've been building for 25 years. We've been building from the mountains of San Bernardino to Huntington Beach where it empties into the ocean. We've been building both directions. We're doing the last pieces, which are the key. Uh, It's the last chain that links everything together and makes everything operate. And it's come down to this year we have to award this part of the project. And there's three utilities that we have to abandon. And we need to ask you for a written commitment. I explained all of it to them. and. So we got, done with, we got done with all of that and there was just silence for a minute and the city engineer from city of Corona sat there and then she said, you know I don't think I've ever understood what the big deal was about this project till today I never understood what you guys were doing out here and what you're asking for is reasonable to me and uh, we'll, we'll give you written We'll give, you, we'll give you the written consent uh, next week. And then they got up and walked out of the room as if that wasn't a big deal. And we're sitting there. It was the Ca- Riverside County and then the Corps of Engineers on this side and across the table. And the only thing that was going through my mind was, thank you, God, and wow, and various combinations of that. And I looked over at the leader from uh, Riverside County. He looked at me and he said, Paul, you did it. And I thought, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. But I know who did. And I'm not, I'm not alone. Now, when I got back to the office, their letter showed up. I've never opened this letter. And uh, I keep this by my computer at work. Because this letter tells me it's impossible to do what we've done. And I keep it there to remind myself that I'm not alone in my responsibility and that God's really leading me. And it makes all the difference. So I I leave that right there. And uh, you know what? When... When... uh, When there's things that we have to get done, knowing that God really is going to do that with us, it really does make all the difference. Now, as I go into some potential next steps that we could take after hearing what we heard today, I'd like to ask the band to go ahead and come up um, as I go over that. And also, in a few minutes, we'll be receiving our offering. The offering basket will be coming around. You'll see that happen. But I'd like to just go through a few things that might be potential next steps for us as uh, as we walk out of here today. You know, maybe, maybe you're on the shore today, looking across your field of re- your sea of responsibility, and you're really struggling with how to handle it. And maybe for you, your next step is really to uh, take ownership of the task that's been given to you and to courageously lead. Maybe that's your next step. And you know, maybe, maybe today. Um, Maybe today you've been trying to do it all by yourself. You've been trying to do it all by yourself and you're wearing yourself out and you're wearing out the people that you that are following you. And what you need to do today is really to learn to coordinate the efforts of the people that follow you. Maybe that's your next step today. Um, it could be that as you've been hearing me, you're, you may have been thinking, I don't know God well enough to know that I can really trust Him the way that Jeeve's talking about. So maybe your next step would be really to pursue God and a trusting relationship with Him. And it could be that maybe today you thought, you know, actually, I'm not even really in. uh, I'm not even really in. Maybe maybe my next step today is I just need to surrender to God and become a believer and really make Him the boss of my life. And maybe today for you, maybe memorizing Joshua 1-9, just to remind yourself that this is the way God handles it when He gives you responsibility. Um, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let me pray. Dear God, Father, we, uh, we come before You as people that need to get things done. And God, we have the tasks that You've given us. And Father, I pray that each one of us would learn to know You more and to follow You and to courageously lead And just watch as You accomplish the things that concern us. God, we thank You for today. Thank You for this time. In Jesus' name, Amen.